everybody, welcome to Drive Through Review 572. Today we're going to do something a little bit different for this channel. Uh, we're going to review Warhammer Age of Sigmar. Now this is the starter of box that you can get for the game. So if you're been living under a rock, the Warhammer Age of Sigmar is the sort of redestruction reboot of Warhammer Fantasy Battles 8th edition. Everything's been wiped out, although you can use a lot of your older models if you were playing that. And this is sort of after chaos has blown everything up and destroyed all the different realms and kicked Age of Sigmar kind of out of existence, so to speak. And then he kind of comes back with his Stormcast Eternals, which are like these undead sort of old heroes that he's reforged and come back to try to retake the realm so that, you know, hopefully everybody can live in peace, all the dwarves and the elves and humans and everybody. And then there's the forces of chaos and death and destruction and all this stuff still in there. Uh, so... I'm going to kind of do this re review as if you've never heard of it, or or at least that you've never, you know, you're trying to get into Age of Sigmar, maybe you're a board gamer or something, because that's mostly who watches this channel. Uh, so this is your starter box. You don't have to start the game with this box. You definitely do not. Uh, this is a good starter, I've found. Uh, it gives you kind of the two armies. It gives you lots of sort of uh, battles and things that you can fight and different ways to make up your army. And it gives you a nice little book to sort of get into uh, painting them and all that kind of good stuff. Now, there's other ways to get into it as well, which I'll talk about in a minute. But the main thing that's kind of come out over the last year, came out last summer now, is the General Handbook. And so when the game released, it had a huge black eye on it, and a lot of the old Warhammer Fantasy players were pissed off, and they didn't like it, and, you know, they destroyed the lore, they destroyed the system, uh, most of the armies that you could use, you can still use them, but it's definitely a different world, and they're not quite the same, they don't really fit in the same. Uh, and the other thing was there was no points, so when you go to build your army, there was no real... Uh, sort of anchor that you could sort of trigger off and say, okay, these are the points that Games Workshop has suggested, you know, and then we can start to play from there. It was just like, hey, play with all the models you own, throw them out on the board, and just kind of, you know, negotiate with your opponent and learn to play that way. And I don't think that necessarily was a bad thing, but we'll talk about that more in a minute. But anyway, they've come out with the General's Handbook, which does a lot to the game. It gives you some sort of structure for some narrative campaigns and play called Path to Glory. It gives you some other kind of multiplayer battles, so you can have, you know, three, four, I think up to six. I'm not sure if it was up to six. And it definitely goes up to four players. And also it gives you points for a lot of things. Uh, so the old uh, compendium uh Cap classic armies from the old editions, as well as all the new stuff. And it really kind of grounds the game and gives you kind of a good entry point. So I would say, I'll talk about some other ways that you can get into it in terms of getting the models, but I say this is a definite must buy. I don't remember what this cost me. I think it was like 25 bucks for this. It's right around there. So it's a nice paperback. It's a, it's a good read and everything. And it gives you sort of a nice introduction into like, how are the different ways that I can play this game? Now the core rules is this little four page thing. Now this here comes in the main starter box, but you can download and print these off. These are hundred percent free and the, they're very simple. Uh, and, but it, acts as a nice kind of plug and play core. So you have your movement, your combat and all that stuff, different ways to set up the battlefield. It gives you kind of a simple way to sort of generate your own scenario to play with. And it gives you some rules for, you know, victory and losing and sort of if somebody brings more models than you, but this is sort of without points in mind. Although you can still, you know, use this core. This is what drives the core. Now what's gonna drive the majority of the game is let me just sneak over here is you can also print these out here for free. Let's just see if I can grab one in my stack of notes here. So let's say, just grab this one randomly. So we have here the Orc, 
Brewmaster, and this is his War Scroll. And I printed this off from Games Workshop. So you can download these. Uh, and there are different scrolls there for the different units. Let's see if I can find an actual unit here. So we have here like the Retributors here. So this will have a unit of five of these uh, Stormcast Paladins and it gives you the stats and things which I'll show you. So that's all free. So as long as you have the models and that you want, you can buy those. And then you have the rules which you can download and the War Scrolls that go with the different units that you can also download. So you can go in and you can acquire these models, not necessarily with that starter box, like I was saying, they have these start collecting boxes which go about for 80, $85 US. And that'll give you like a small sort of starting army in whatever sort of faction that you want. And it's a little bit of a kind of a discount there as if you were to buy them sort of piecemeal. So that's one way to get into it as well. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about sort of the lore and the game and kind of show you a little bit of the rules and all that kind of stuff. And I'm just kind of kind of frankly spoil it. I'm fast in love with this game. It's really, really fun. Uh, there's a lot of room for, I think, competitive play, which is developing and it's kind of in process. And they are coming out with a new journal's handbook. Uh, I think probably this summer is when it's uh, probably targeted. And so they've been very, very uh, interactive and receptive with the community and the community has been fantastic. I'll talk at the end of the video about some different places to go, uh, to, if, you, if this is interesting to you at all, uh, to sort of get involved with the community and these different places and things and just other resources that you can go after. Uh, but overall, they've been very, very like I said, interactive and, and, and provided lots of feedback and accepted a lot of feedback, I think, in this process. So I think that's a really good sign in health for the game. And anyway, I'll talk about that more later. So let's just kind of dive in and take a look at like how you might approach this. Because if you're like, you know, it's Warhammer, I don't know. I heard it was awful. It's not awful. It's awesome. And, you know, but I, if I wanted to get into this, how would I get into it? You know, where do I start? What do I choose? You know, which what army do I want to do? And all that kind of stuff. So let's kind of jump into all that. Okay, like I said, there are other ways to get into the game besides the starting box here. Now, one of the things that I picked up, uh, and I think this one might be discontinued or just somewhat out of print. You can see this is King, I don't know how to pronounce this, Vlagorescu's Ghoulish Host. This is a big box here. You can see it comes with 31 miniatures. And they also do these uh, Battle Force boxes here. This is our Iron Jaws. Uh, so these are very good deals if, if you maybe, let's say you picked up the starter box for these Flesh Eater Quartz here and you wanted to like, okay, I really like these. I'm going to expand on that. You can hopefully... Uh, find this box or in the case of the iron jaws maybe you got the start collecting box and then you wanted to just like you know i don't want to spend a ton of money but i can pick these up for uh, i don't remember what this one cost actually because i just search to find that one but these are about 120 i think for that so you know start collecting is about 80 120 and you've got basically a full army for about 200 bucks or pretty close it's kind of kind of kind of depend how they divide up these in terms of points. Typically, your standard game will be a 2,000 point game. Although, I've not played a 2,000 point game. I've only played at 1,000 points, which is a per perfectly uh, viable way to learn the game. And you can definitely get close to 1,000 points with some of these. Now, there's one thing I don't have here, and I would just want to mention it because it's probably the best deal in terms of bang for your buck. And that's called Spires of Dawn. It's actually a reprint of an old box called Island of Blood. And it comes with an elf uh, and a, a Skaven faction. And you have really close to a thousand points, I believe, with both of those with that box. And they're kind of the old school armies. It's elves and Skaven. So it's not like these sort of superhero slash supervillain armies, which is kind of what the new stuff is. Uh, that's your best buy because that's 80 bucks and you have 
basically almost two full thousand point armies right out of that. And it's a really good deal. And I've looked at the models and stuff and they're really cool. And they come with points for the models and they come with the battalions and stuff, which I'll talk about. So there's a lot in that box. Uh, so that's, and that's always sold out. And it's definitely not out of print. It's just always sold out. Now, the way that I got into the game here was through Warhammer Quest Silver Tower. So if you have this, you can start playing this game. You can download the rules. You can download the war scrolls for the different characters. Let me see if I can find a character that was in there. Well, let's just take here the main villain from the Silver Tower here is the Gaunt Summoner. So there's a war scroll now for him, as well as everything in that box. So you can just throw these down and play and learn. And so if you've already got that, you've already got stuff for Age of Sigmar. You can just download the stuff for free and start playing. Uh, so there's a lot of different ways to get into it. Uh, this is nice because it's got two armies so you and a friend can get it. And like I said, the Spires of Dawn also has the two armies. Now, there is four grand alliances, four sort of main factions in the game. There's Death, then there's Chaos, and Order, and then Destruction. So here you can see I'm kind of a nut job and I have four armies, so one for each faction. Uh, so this is my death stuff. This is mostly the flesh eater stuff, which I showed you the King Vlagoresco's ghoulish host. A lot of that is from here. Uh, you can see here's sort of the main feature there is this guy here is this abhorrent ghoul king on the terror geist. He comes in that box and death is probably the least developed and not necessarily the least interesting, but it's, it's for me, it's the most frustrating faction to try to build and do interesting armies with. Although, you know, it, you can certainly do it. Uh, the thing is, is they have a lot of rules and they want to build a big swarm of creatures. So here you come with these ghouls here and you really want to have like tons of these. So this is really your army for big swarms and, you know, trying to just kind of overwhelm with numbers. These are very, very weak and, you know, they don't last very long, but they, a lot of these uh, figures in this can regenerate and heal up. And, you know, especially with some of the more heroic, I guess you could say, uh, types of guys here. And these are the horrors there. And so a lot of these have like regenerate abilities. And if you have like, say, a necromancer here, he's a good example. He can actually summon uh, some skeletons and, and zombies and things like that to, uh, to bring out. And so what you might do is you take points and then you would actually pay the points uh, when you're building your army for the zombies and the skeletons. Oh, these aren't, all of these aren't Games Workshop things. Some of these skeletons and zombies are uh, from Reaper, but I had a bunch of extra, so I figured oh, I can use them. And so a lot of that is summoning, so you can kind of like deep strike. Uh, if you think in terms of like a science fiction idea, you move your necromancer out and then summon them, and then that'll maybe capture an objective or something like that. Uh, so this is very fun to play, and I like kind of the theme of, especially of the flesh eaters, because they sort of are hallucinating and think that they're sort of royalty, and they actually are, are the good guys, and they're devouring, you know, these evil, uh, you know, races and getting them out of the way, and so they've been kind of uh, manipulated by Nagash, who is the head of the Death Alliance, and uh, which I haven't picked up Nagash yet, but I would like to pick up like the main sort of character for each of these. Um, but this is interesting to play, but it's also weird to build because you just need a lot of stuff. And because there's like, if you have 20 ghouls, then you get a little bit of a bonus, but you know, it only gives you 20, but you might want to use one of these special ghouls as a leader and stuff like that. So this is their, um, this is the, uh, ghoulish courtier and so he's sort of you know he's the kind of special guy there uh, so it's just a little bit interesting to build and there's not really outside of in my opinion anyway of the flesh eater faction it's not really that interesting <laughs> uh, you know the other death factions aren't really that cool uh, but moving on the next we have chaos and i have the most chaos because i've got a lot of the zinch stuff here from the silver tower so they have these zangars here 
and these are the uh, beast men that are sort of been perverted by Zinch. And you've also got these little horror guys here. These are the blue horrors, if I can focus on that. Some of these are my early paint jobs. Whoops. Uh, I just started to learn to paint last year. And these were like the first guys that I painted. So I just kind of slapped some blue on them and went to town. Um, but they, these are the Zinch guys are very sort of bird-like and oddly demonic sort of uh, Cthulhu-esque types of demons. Now, within each of these different factions of death and chaos and so on, there are sub-factions. Uh, so we have here now the corn guys, and these are reavers, and these guys come in the starting box here, and these are, these are cannibals, basically. Uh, these guys are very, I would say they are borderline destruction. Uh, so Zinch is very chaotic and just very manipulative, and the corn bloodbound guys, here's one of their sort of monstrous guys. This is a, a Korgrath here. Uh, these guys are very much just brutal, and they are just about sort of fighting and war and all that kind of stuff. And it, so the interesting thing about these two is the corn guys are very much driven by their heroes. And so each of the classes, you'll have like a hero guy who's just, you know, one figure. And then you might, in this case, have these blood reavers, for example. And these you'll take in units of at least 10. So here I've got 20 of them, uh, but you'll take these in, in big units and move these around the board as a unit. But these are really gonna be beefed up by uh, typically their heroes that are gonna help drive them and give them you know, extra ways to kind of mitigate your dice rolls and stuff like that. Oh, I shouldn't have mentioned, people might have noticed this guy here. This is not a Games Workshop miniature. Uh, it's a Shadows of Brimstone miniature. And he looks sort of like uh, some of the demons or the demon princes. And those can take on different forms. They can be uh, Nurgle, or, uh, which is another Chaos faction, or Bloodbound or whatever. Uh, but he's got kind of a hood, so you don't really know what he is. So I just have been using him as sort of a generic daemon. And you know he, he, he kind of looks like him other than the hood. Uh, and he's actually probably a little bit bigger than they normally are. And like this giant guy, this is one of the cool things about this game. Uh, for me is so he can kind of play in any uh, faction so there's rules for a chaos giant and then also destruction uh, giant but i've been using him as a chaos giant even though he probably looks more like a destruction giant i don't know but you know you can be sort of forgiving the community to me has been pretty sort of like oh yeah that looks you know as long as it looks kind of like by what you say it is then it's fine now order is interesting so you have here these uh stormcast eternals and these are sort of your angelic types of beings here. And that I said earlier, uh, Sigmar has sort of come back to life in a sense and reforged these ancient heroes. You got some of these guys here that, you know, they fly around and stuff. You can see the wings. Um, and they have returned to kind of restore order to uh, the realm. And that's all I have really have for as far as order goes. I probably, there's rumors that they're going to release some like techno dwarven types of things, which sounds really neat. Um, now they are also kind of driven by uh, different heroes here. Now here we have a Lord Celestan here, and he's going to sort of uh, help out these different units. Like I said before with the, um, you know, the Blood Reavers. So we have these different liberators, which I showed you. So these are going to travel in packs and you want them to be helped there. So like this Knight Hell, Hel excuse me, Knight Heralder. Heralder, whatever, however you say that. So he's got his trumpet there, and he's going to be able to blow that, so they'll be able to, you know, do extra charges and things like that. Uh, this guy's sort of your main character here for the uh, Stormcast, and so he's a Celestine Prime. You can kind of think of him as he isn't Sigmar, but he's sort of Sigmar's avatar. I have, I just got this one. I haven't played with it yet, but uh, I got this one and another one. I'll show you because I was 
as a reward for painting a bunch of other models. Uh, but he will sort of live off the board and, oh, somebody just fell. <laughs> and he will come, kind of come land in your battle. And the more you kind of keep him off the board, the more powerful he will be. So you kind of hold him back, hold him back. And then he comes down and like, boom, he drops his big, you know, Warhammer. And this is like the Warhammer of, of all the Warhammers. <laughs> so it's called Galmarizer. So he kind of comes down. Uh, so this is sort of interesting. I kind of play them as sort of um, the bad guys, I guess, because, you know, I don't know. It's, they're kind of interesting because they're like this mindless horde that, you know, when they die, they get reforged again and they kind of lose more and more of the mortality that they had in the uh, in their previous life and stuff. Uh, but that's kind of order there. And here we have some destruction. You saw that Iron Jaws box that I had earlier. That's all basically from that. I did pick up a couple extra of these heroes here. Now, this guy's not an Iron Jaw, um, but he is an Auric. And all of these guys are basically... Uh, orcs or of some kind. Now there's an interesting thing here. So when you build your army, you have to take what's called a certain amount of battle line. So if you're playing a thousand point army, two of your units have to be battle line. And battle line is typically just your normal troops. So if you look here, we have these orc brutes. And a unit of those is five, although you could go more. And so this would be one of the battle lines. And so I have, I have two groups of five. So that would be my two battle lines. So I've met that requirement. And what that does is that keeps you from just, you know, pumping out a bunch of these, uh, this guy is Gordrak. So he's like the, he's sort of the, again, the avatar of Gork and Mork or whatever you call it. And so he is like the ultimate leader of the forces of destruction on, um, you know, in the different mortal realms. So, and he costs, depending on how you build him, he costs like 700 or 500 and some points, or depending on which war, war scroll you say you're using with him anyway. And uh, so to prevent somebody just like taking two of these, which wouldn't necessarily be the smartest thing in the world if you're trying to win, you still will take, you know, two battle line, or if you're playing up to 2000 points, you have to take three different units of battle line. And so let's say I decided, well, I'm, you know, I'm gonna combine these. I'm gonna make one unit of 10. That doesn't count for your two battle line. This is only one battle line. Now, the interesting thing about that is, especially with this Iron Jaws faction, is these guys are only battle line if you take the Iron Jaws Allegiance. So, so far we've looked at the four factions, Death, Chaos, Order, and now Destruction. So most of the time, a battle line unit will work for anything. So I could, if I want, take, here's some new ones I got here, these Judicators. Now these can count as battle line in any order army. So I could have a bunch of dwarves, and then I can take one uh, group of five of these, and that will satisfy one of my battle line requirements. Now these guys are only battle line if it's an Iron Jaws allegiance. So you can have the, the main sort of faction, the destruction, order, chaos, and that can be your allegiance, or you can be the more specific allegiance. So in this case, you want these guys here to be the Iron Jaws allegiance, and that's going to unlock for them different special abilities. Uh, so if I mixed in though, this guy, he's just kind of your regular destruction, and he's also, I forget what his, his sub-faction is, I think it's just Auric. I can't mix him in this army because I won't be able to satisfy the battle line requirement because these guys are only battle line in an Iron Jaws Allegiance and this guy's not Iron Jaws, it can't be Iron Jaws. And you know that on these war scrolls. So I just grabbed a random one here and you look at these keywords. So this guy's Order, he's a daemon, he's Celestial, he's Seraphon, which is sort of the, the dinosaur lizard people. 
And what else is he? Skink, hero, priest, wizard, etc. Skink, star priest. Uh, so he's a wizard, for example, which gives him access to spells. And he's Seraphon, which means he can be in a Seraphon allegiance, even though there is no specific allegiance yet for Seraphon. But he can live in order. Now, you can't ever mix order and chaos. I mean, you could for fun, but based on the sort of rules here. Uh, so this is very interesting here to build these. Now, there are... Uh, other battle line units that don't have that specific allegiance, they just have the destruction allegiance. Like if you had Ogors or uh, some other kind of Oryx, if you had enough of those, you could then take those as battle line. You won't be the specific Iron Jaws allegiance, but you will be the general destruction allegiance, and then you can start mixing these Iron Jaws. So sometimes it's tricky to build. I talked about death being sort of tricky to build. Uh, destruction can also be a little tricky to build because, I mean, for my money, this is kind of the the default destruction army, these iron jaws, even though there's there's some other cool ones too, but you know, to mix these and then to play by the rules, uh, you you need to have battle lines, so it's hard to mix anything outside of that specific iron jaws. Kind of the four factions here. So you're gonna choose one of the factions, you're gonna start building your army, and then you're gonna choose an allegiance. And so here's the general's handbook, and like I said, this is a must get. And so when you choose your allegiance back here, let's see, you're gonna have like I said, the Grand Alliance is here. And this is going to give you access to Allegiance abilities. And you can see here, so here's the Allegiance abilities for order. And you can give uh, command traits to the generals. You're going to have, you're going to pick one general and they're going to get different uh, command abilities and that will be on their war scroll. It says if it's the general, then it gets this command ability and so on. Uh, there's also the default uh, command ability that all the generals can get. And then you have these other traits here. And then you have these artifacts of order and so on. So if you wanted to do, you know, a uh, chaos army, then you get the same thing here. Now, like I was talking about before with the specific allegiances here, and only recently have these battle tomes started to have these. Uh, here's the Disciples of Zinch one just came out. And this is, I think, probably the best battle tome uh, that you that you can get. It is, they've, they've really sort of been developing these over the last year or so to be more useful. Um, and they're actually redoing the Stormcast Eternal ones here in a month or so. Um, but I would say the second thing that you would need to get in addition to the models, of course, in the General's Handbook is, I would say these are these are worth buying, these battle tomes. Now they release them in hardback and I think they always come out in paperback after a bit. So these are really cool. These are gonna give you some cool art and they're gonna give you some different fluff and kind of give you the background story in terms of where this particular army fits into the universe and so on. It gives you all kinds of the history and all that stuff. Talks about, you know, what the different units mean, you know, what do the Zangars do? How, why do the Carrick Acolytes, why do they look that way? All that kind of cool stuff. And then they're gonna give you here some different rules and things. And one thing that you might do, let me just see this, and this one has some really interesting art too. Uh, if we go back here, this is where we get to sort of the meat of the book and why you would want to pick it up. It's going to talk about a lot of the rule specific stuff for that particular army. So this is allegiance abilities here. So armies with the Zinch allegiance have the ability. So instead of taking chaos, you could fill this up with your chaos army with just Zinch stuff and you get the command traits as well as the artifacts here. And that's only specific. So you can't use those if you mix any, uh, you know, corn bloodbound or anything like that in. You gotta use the generic ones from here. And like I said, it's similar with the Iron Jaws. There's certain uh, Zinch units that 
if you mix anything in there, then you can't take them as battle line. You've got to have some other generic battle line. Now, the other stuff that's in here is, and these guys have some other really cool uh, abilities. I'm not going to get into that because <laughs> the video would, it's going to be long anyway. Uh, they have special things. They've got some cool stuff you can do with dice, and they have like access to way more spells. Now, you also get these battle plans in here, and this is how you set up your army. Um, there's battle plans in the General's Handbook here, in these battle tomes, and some other books that I'll show you. And these are just sometimes thematic, sometimes they're, they're designed to be competitive and used in match point play and so on. So this will give you different ways and you can, you know, okay, this is how you might set up the scenario and, or maybe this is how you might use it if you don't have the armies that are specifically designed for, because there's a lot of narrative and stuff in here. So this gives you, I think, two battle plans, yep. And then there's a the concept here of the Path to Glory campaigns. Now the Path to Glory was, I think it was sort of like a, it might have been a download or something like that because they have the app that you can download stuff for. But it got more fleshed out in General's Handbook. And then now the Zinch book here gives you uh, some different things. So this is a way to do sort of a campaign type of setting and gives you a way to uh, build out your different war bands, so to speak. And then you get different rewards. And as you kind of play through the campaign, you kind of unlock different special abilities and all that kind of stuff. Now, I will give you a warning that I have not played with it as designed here because the balance of the different warbands there is, is pretty out of whack. However, it, they are all close to about a thousand points. So if you just play with the match points here in the back, I'll just kind of show you. I think they get a little sticky about this, but so these are the points in the back. Uh, they just don't want people like, you know, taking screenshots of my video and stuff. Um, you can build up a thousand point army and then use that as your warband. And that way, you know, everything is balanced, you know, between Billy and Frankie and, you know, all of their armies. And, you know, we're, we're evenly matched in a match play sense. And then you can just use the rest of the rules in the Path to Glory campaign. That's a really, 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 uh, I think it's, well, I haven't played more than a thousand points. So uh, I think that's the coolest way to play it, honestly. So like, I'm still learning this game. So the game is definitely a lifestyle game. Uh, and then there's some other stuff here. Okay, so you also have the concept here of these battalions, which I'll, I'll get a better shot of one in a minute here. So I just wanted to talk more about the War Scrolls here. And you can see here's the Blood Reavers, and these come in the, the starter box. I've just made photocopies of some of these. Uh, so here it shows you your movement and the wounds. And this is so, this will have a, uh, this is a unit of Blood Reavers has 10 or more. And so you'd have 10 of these little suckers in a group. And when you have these guys out on the battlefield, they all have to be within kind of an inch of each other. But the cool thing is, and this is great, I love this so much, is instead of like pushing stuff around on big trays, which does not excite me at all. And uh, you can organize these guys as long as they're within an inch. So you could build them like in a big circle or you could have them in a straight line or you have them snaking around or whatever. As long as they have this thing called like unit cohesion is what you're thinking of. And as long as you build them like, like that and they're all within an inch, then they're okay. So this is gonna have 10 or more. So you could do a unit of 20 of these. Again, it still counts as just one unit. So if you're doing the battle line, which these guys are battle line, you need to you know, come up with another one. So you got wounds. So when this takes a wound, they've only got one wound, so you gotta remove a model. And movement is six, uh, no saving throw. Sometimes you'll have a saving throw once you take damage. And there's bravery. So 
guys here are not uh, very brave. They only have a bravery of five, and that's sort of like they're going to flee possibly if any of their uh, figures were killed in combat. Well, I'll get to more on that in a minute. And you've got here the different weapons. So if they have reaver blades, it's got a one-inch range, and so on. Now some of these they're pretty much the same, but they'll have rend and stuff. So it gives you the stats there, which I'll talk about. And then you have some of the different special abilities and stuff that they have. So that's the blood reavers. And then you've now got the Korgarath here, which is just a single figure in this case. Uh, you know, you can have as many as you want, but you've got to pay points for each one of them, obviously. Uh, typically, you just have one because it only comes in the starter box unless you <laughs> somehow hunt more down. I have seen people online that have like, you know, six of them. Uh, so this guy will cost you a certain amount of points. He's got the wounds. Uh, he's got eight wounds. And he's got a save and stuff. And he has these different weapons that he can use as well. Now, when you go to actually make a battalion, this is where it gets interesting. So now we have here a Goreblade Warband. This is what you get in the starter box. This is one of them. And this is a, uh, another photocopy here. Uh, so this one you can see here, you need one Mighty Lord of Corn. this fellow here, Blood Secretary and a Blood Stoker. So these two guys, these are two different heroes there. And then you need the unit of Blood Warriors, which I haven't shown you. And these are a unit of five of these guys. This is kind of a more badass uh, blood reaver. So there's five of those. And then you need the one unit of the 10 uh, blood reavers here, and then the Korgrath here, which I just showed you. So all of that will make up here this battalion. And when you go to deploy at the start of the game, you can deploy all of these together. And you'll usually want to keep them within a certain distance of each other here. I'm going to con confer a special ability to all the units here in that battalion. Now, when you're building this, if you want, if you decide, if you've got those armies, you're going to have to pay points for each of the different units. And then these will have usually points uh, defined. Now, some of the start collecting boxes and everything, they don't have points for those yet. I can't, I really wish they would do that because when you get a start collecting box, you'll get like a certain amount of figures and you'll have the war scrolls for that. And then it would, and then you also get a battalion, which will give all of that group, that whole start collecting box, a cool special ability. And I think most of those don't have points for them. Uh, so, you know, there's no reason you couldn't just play with it and say, okay, we get to each get to use this. No big deal. It's not that, it's not that big a deal, honestly. Um, but it'd be cool if they added points for that. So everybody can say, oh, I've got a competitive army here and I've got, you know, 400 points worth of stuff. And this special battalion cost me an extra 40 points. Kind of the very long-winded, you know, what are you going to think about when you make up your army considering the factions, you know, the different scrolls and things and, and all the different stuff that you can do. Now, there's a couple other things I just want to mention quickly. There is a series of books in addition to the battle tomes that I showed you earlier. And these are kind of like the narrative story. And this is sort of the intro one. These you don't necessarily, I think, have to get at all. I got this one for fun. This was a nice sort of setup. It gives you a good sense of how the different factions kind of sit in the world. And it gives you some other stuff here. So here's the Realm Gate Wars begin. And it gives you a narrative to kind of go through and it'll give you different battle plans. And it'll give you these other things called Times of War. So you can see he's got a map here. You can sort of create these campaigns out of uh, all this stuff. And it gives you ways to sort of play uh, these, you know, with different factions and stuff. And here's a Time of War. So this is sort of another uh, war scroll in a way. So it's adding rules to anything. You can just say, okay, we're playing this battle plan, this fight but it's in this peninsula. So you're gonna have these abilities and it's gonna activate that. And a lot of these are targeted towards different factions. So that's another way you can just sort of add to your 
experience. And that's really what I kind of want to just end this part with is the takeaways. There's a lot of plug and play here. And there's a lot of ways that you can sort of just we can add rules. I never played with the time of war or any of these artifacts or anything that I've showed you. I've just been playing with the basic armies, thousand points and doing that and just kind of learning it that way. Um, but you know, as we start to learn the game more, then it's, you know, you can start to add more and more complexity and more interesting narrative and all that kind of stuff. Now, when you go to set up your table, you want some terrain. The game doesn't really require a ton of terrain, so you can just get some pieces and lay them out. Um, sometimes you want a lot of terrain, sometimes you really don't want very much. Now, there are war scrolls for a different terrain, so you can see here, I've got this uh, Realm Gate fella here, and usually when you play with these, you want two of them. Oh, look, he stayed on there. <laughs> Uh, and so there's like a war scroll for this and these have some different interesting abilities and stuff like that So you can get those war scrolls uh, off the internet for free and uh, this is not an official one This is handmade, but they are they do make their own terrain as well um, And so or you can say you, you can get some dice here and This is the dice that comes with the game, but you're gonna want a lot more than that uh, and you can roll a d6 for each of these pieces of terrain or however you really want to do it you kind of agree you set up the terrain and maybe say okay, we'll have you know, half of the terrain will be this mystical terrain, and we'll roll that. Now, you can get these cool dice. I just wanted to show these here. Um, this is from scenerydice.co.uk, and this is just a D6, but instead of the number there, and then you have to look up on the table what the number means, which you would memorize after a while, you can just roll these, and then be like, okay, that one was inspiring or deadly or whatever. So these actually are pretty handy. Set these up or set up the terrain according to the battle plan. Then you're going to go into the deploying units. Uh, you know, one player will deploy a unit or a whole battalion, and then you go back and forth. And the best way to play the game, frankly, is with a battle plan that has some kind of objective to it. When you play just kind of the slog, like, you know, kill more models than your opponent, that's probably the least satisfying way to play the game, and I think one of the problems with uh, how it was released. But once you start playing with objectives, a lot of the tactics and stuff really uh, come into play in terms of, you know, maybe you hold an objective and, you know, you get a certain number of points depending on the, the round number or, or whatever, or you, you try to, you know, get all the objectives really quickly and try to get a, you know, a big victory and that kind of, so it adds a lot of tactics to the game. Uh, so you're going to start deploying units and then you're going to play a roll a die. Oh, look at that. We both rolled a one. And like that, and then this player will decide who goes first for that round. You're going to do that every single round. So it's possible that Billy over there is going to go first a couple of rounds in a row. And there's a lot of debate online as to whether or not that's a good thing. I think I really like this because it makes you sort of guess that like, okay, if I get too close to their shooters, then, you know, the ranged attackers, then, you know, I got to be very careful about that because they might get two turns in a row and they're just plinking me with, you know, arrows left and right. And they're just laying waste. So you have to be very cautious, you know, that you, so your opponent doesn't get a double turn. Or you can even try to risk it and, you know, try to get into a position. Maybe it's an objective out in the open or something like that. And, you know, you can try to bet that you will get a double turn or that your opponent doesn't get a double turn, that kind of thing. So every round you're supposed to roll the die and then the winner gets to decide who goes first. Then you're going to have the hero phase. So heroes are usually just, you know, single units. And sometimes there'll be a wizard, like here's a battle mage here. And these guys, if a wizard, if it has a keyword of wizard, they'll be able to cast spells. Now there's kind of two default spells that you get, uh, Mystic Shield and Arcane Bolt. And then they'll also have different special abilities. And then if you, you choose a general, and they will sometimes get a command ability that they can also do in this phase. 
So you'll do that first and then you'll do movement. And then the, the base game here comes with these big sticks, which are kind of useful because they're 18 inches long. Um, you'll have to get a tape measure or something. I like these little, uh, these are from Litco. And these are cool because these are sort of designed for AOS and they have a couple of interesting things. So there's, there's a three inch kind of limit, which I'll talk about in a minute. And there's a one inch side and then a half inch side, which is what you want to gauge for melee combat. So it has kind of like a lot of your important measurements on this going to move your unit. Now you can choose to run, uh, let's say this guy has six inch movement here, you can choose to run. In that case you'll do your movement speed and then roll a d6, which is bad there because I rolled a one, so you can move uh, an extra inch there. Like so. But if you run, then you can't charge, which I'll talk about in a second, and you can't shoot. For like moving over stuff is you just kind of, you know, you spend your movement going up. So if you move six inches, you go one, two, three, four, five, six, and then move up it. Uh, flying units like these fellows here uh, can sort of move through terrain or and without, with the kind of ignoring, uh, you know, that it's there as long as they land or are able to land in a safe spot like that. Can't move through uh, other figures and you must end your movement uh, at least three inches away from your opponent there. So you can't move within this sort of three inch buffer here. You've got to be able to make that charge into and sort of, you know, it's kind of the, you think of the tension in the battle line. You've got to, you get up close and then you try to jump in there, but you might fail it because they might charge back at you, that kind of thing. Like, you know, whoever gets kind of the initiative there in that battle. So you can't end within three inches or less. You'll be able to go through and do your shooting phase. And I, I should clarify this. This is all the same player doing all this stuff, activating hero abilities, moving, and then shooting. Uh, so you do any kind of shooting, you measure. Uh, there's not really line of sight, although you do get cover from terrain. Sometimes there'll be different war scrolls for different types of terrain that will give you give you cover. But pretty much if you can see it and it's within range, uh, then you can do it. Uh, there's one thing I see a lot of people discuss and I'm not sure what to do. I, I think I like it how it is because it's simple, but even if you're, you can shoot, like these guys are shooters here, uh, even if they were engaged in combat, then they can still shoot <laughs> and they can shoot other people engaged in combat and you know some of these miniature games if you're engaged in melee you can't shoot but these guys still can um, and after the shooting phase you're going to go into charge and so let's just set up a little bit of an example so let's say these guys were about that far apart and so you're going to pick one of the models here and draw a line to that other model you're going to roll 2d6 in this case i've got nine which is plenty because this is the number of inches that you're going to be able to charge and there's right about six there uh, so if you can make that, then as long as you can get within, I should say, within half an inch of one of the models there, then you can move everybody else that amount. So we're going to move him up six and so on. And then this guy will move up six as well. He'll kind of pile in there. You've done those phases as a player, then you're going to have combat and then both players will be able to do combat in this case. So starting with me, I'll initiate a group here. I'll say, okay, but these guys are going to do combat there. And then you can move up to three inches. Uh, like so, as long as you can get closer to the model and then you've got to be within the range specified on the war scroll to be able to reach the model. I'm going to roll dice, you know, based on the war scroll. So let's just take a look here as we'll take a look at the lightning hammer here. This is a range one and they get two attacks. So in this case, we've got uh, three of these guys. So two, four, six. So we'll roll six dice. They need to roll a three to hit and then we'll, so let's just run, roll that. So we'll roll those there. So ones and twos go away. We have the threes and then we need to roll a three to wound there. 
and so that one goes away so we've got two wounds coming at him now sometimes it will have a rend now these guys don't have a save so this will be uh, two damage uh, per these so it'd be two so that would basically wipe out four of these and so the defender would have to choose and you can choose the ones in the back there because it's sort of a whole unit so you can choose those so that there's still somebody in proximity to fight back but if they had a save then you would roll for each of these let's say they had a five up save but you had a rend minus one so that would reduce your value so you need a six up save like that so in this case we'd fail the save in both places and then we'd have to remove up to four damage there because each of these wounds is two damage um, and then you could, and then, so I would activate this unit and then Billy would activate that unit and they may activate this unit here to fight back or some other unit on the table and you go back and forth and back and forth. Of course, there's a bunch of plug and play type of abilities here. Like these guys have frenzied uh, devolution. If they're within a chaos totem, then they get two attacks instead of one attack. And, and so then they'll make a roll here. So we've got one, two, three, four, let's say, well, some of them died. So we roll these on a four plus, so that'll go away. And then they wound on a four plus, and so there'll be two more wounds there. And then these guys have a save roll. They would roll this and then they would have, oh, they failed with both the saves. And these attacks do one damage. So we would put, in this case, two wounds on this guy. Now these guys all die right away, so this guy would get two wounds. So you could just have some little marker or something like that. And so once one of the figures in the unit takes damage, you have to keep damaging that unit until it's dead and then you kind of pass it on. So if we'd taken four wounds, all three would go to this one and then the one kind of floating would go to another one and we would pick that. After combat, everybody's gone back and forth. You're gonna to go to the battle shock phase and we're gonna look at bravery here. So this is bravery of five. And so we lost, how many did we lose? We lost four of these. So we're gonna roll D6, add that to four. So that would be seven. And so for every, number over that, so seven or five, so we'd have to lose two more. Two more would run away in fear, although there are lots of different abilities that you can get. Uh, one of the command abilities, for example, is like, you don't have to take Battleshock tests and that kind of stuff. So these sort of weaker units where you have a lot of them are usually less brave, and then some of these guys here are a little bit more brave when we do Pretty much the turn, and then the next player will go and they'll do, you know, their command abilities, the hero abilities, the spells, movement, charging, all that stuff, and then initiate combat there. Uh, once you're locked into combat here, you can retreat if you want, um, but you can't do a normal move. You've got to move away. Pretty much the game. Most of the time, you're just trying to sort of uh, lock down objectives or sometimes there's other different, more flavorful, you know, objectives in the, uh, the battle plan itself. Okay, so I know that was long, <laughs> but I really wanted to just kind of do the, the kind of the deep dive and kind of not necessarily a deep dive, but sort of a broad dive and cover kind of all the different aspects of the game, go over the rules and stuff for folks that hadn't really looked at it um, as well. Uh, like I said at the beginning, I really have been enjoying this game, really surprised how much I've enjoyed it. And I think the key for me here is, I guess plug and play is really the aspect. And I, I know I've used that phrase a few times. Uh, you've got so many different ways that you can get into this game. And it's almost like deviously crafted in a sense uh, because you've got all the different ways you can start playing a game. You get to start collecting, you get the starter box or whatever. Uh, you can play with very, very small forces on a very small battlefield. Typically you just want a four by four battlefield. But even with like, if, let's say you had the silver tower stuff and you just wanted to throw down some units and play, uh, you know, like maybe a little bit more of the armies with the gobbies and the, the Zanger guys versus the, you know, a couple of the heroes and stuff. You can just do that and just have fun and download and play the rules and all that stuff and play like in a little three by three battlefield with, you know, 
two pieces of terrain and just have fun with that. Um, and then you can work your way up to the four by four thousand point thing. And that, that's a really legitimate way to kind of play the game. I, like I haven't played larger than that. I've been spending too much time making a new thousand point army to play with and, you know, haven't really gone beyond that. Uh, I think a lot of these factions uh, really want that 2000 points though, especially like the death armies, because you want a ton of models. You want a big battlefield. Uh, once you go over a thousand points, you get to 2000 and 2500 and, you know, then it gets nutty after that. But you want like a six by four, you know, normal war table size. Uh, battlefield and a lot of these armies it feels to me like they don't really get to do a lot because you need kind of those extra points to add more and more swarms and add those heroes and monsters and stuff that will give you benefits and stuff to having that many so you want some of those bigger ones i will say i think the storm casts are really fun at a thousand the destruction stuff is really fun at a thousand and the chaos stuff is is the uh, is pretty fun at a thousand as well although the, some of the chaos stuff is a little bit uh, swarmy uh, in terms of what you need, uh, but their their heroes are really really cool in terms of like you know how they're going to buff everybody up and and some of the different stuff and drive them crazy and you know have them charge in really really cool. So the system as well at its core is ultra simple, ultra ultra simple. All of the complexity comes from adding in you know the different war scrolls for the different units, the battalions which I showed you the 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 battle plans that are going to add different rules and you've got these different dice setting up the different terrain so because the course is so simple they just start adding in all these different you know layers and different things to think about and you know okay i can get this far you know the charge is very risky so you know am, am, am i gonna be able to get over here and and all the objective based stuff uh, really adds to the game. Like I said earlier, if you just kind of play the thing where like I kill more models or we just play until we wipe each other out, that's kind of fun, you know, for a couple of times. But really to kind of get those extra juices flowing, you want to play some of these battle plans with the objectives and stuff. And so I think there's, is there six? There's six sort of official match play uh, battle plans in that general's handbook. And so those are designed to be played at the different uh, point counts 1,000, 2,000, and 2,500 or plus. And so you can just sort of scale the battlefield to 4x4 four four or 6x4 based on how much you have, and then you're good to go. Uh, and then from there, you can really start to plug in all this narrative stuff because the Path to Glory system, which I showed you earlier, is awesome. It's a way to kind of build up a warband over a campaign. You can get special abilities, you can add more units to the warband. All that stuff is really, really neat. But the warbands as presented in the Path to Glory sections are not balanced. Uh, you know, the Stormcast one, like that's, it's just, you can just go mangle any of the death ones, uh, probably. Uh, it, you know, it just, you can just crush them. And so, but if you play, you say, okay, throw that stuff out. We can still play with all the cool special abilities and different war scrolls and stuff. But let's just play a thousand points or 750 points or whatever 500 points and so you know you're relatively even even though i think at the smaller uh, uh but you know warband size some armies will have a certain advantage it seems like as you get closer to that magical 2000 point or definitely a thousand points you, they start to balance off more um 
but you can pick that up and play that. And like I showed you the one book that has all the narrative stuff that you can go through. Um, and that kind of leads me to the second point, you know, the plug and play stuff is nice. But the narrative here really is sort of surprising to me because like I've been kind of a Warhammer fan, but mostly through the video games. I play a lot of Warhammer Online, which is like World of Warcraft type of game. Uh, the Dawn of War stuff, which is a 40K thing, it's totally different. Um, I really have kind of liked that sort of, I don't know, it, it, it's sort of the grim, dark, or darker fantasy, but it's not really. It's, it's a little bit more, I gotta be honest, a little bit more of the adolescent side of it. But it's interesting in terms of like, okay, well, I'm playing a war game, so it's all going to be about Smash. It's not going to really be much subtlety or nuance there. <laughs> so I think for that, because that's the environment they're trying to set up, it's really a cool thing. Uh, but the way that they've converted this lore from the old world, which is what I was you know, somewhat familiar with from the video games, uh, into this sort of far-reaching everlasting apocalypse thing is really interesting to me um and, and somebody i saw online they mentioned it so it's sort of like superhero warhammer because you have these these big heroes that you know the the like the exalted Deathbringer and the mighty lord of corn and all these different guys and the gaunt summer there's really these they're superheroes or supervillains in a lot of cases and you have sort of your your peons and your units and stuff and to me that's much more interesting like when i see uh, these trays, movement trays and all that stuff. I'm like, Ooh, what? that's just too stodgy. It's like, to me, it doesn't feel naturally combat oriented. It's like, none of these guys are just going to sit there and walk in a line like that. And I know, I know that happened in, you know, medieval battles and stuff, but to me, I like the free flowing formations and all that kind of stuff here. And that really kind of lends itself into the narrative and the theme where you have these just odd situations with this very kind of like fantasy Mad Max type of thing where things are just horrifying. Like if you're a normal person or like a normal dwarf or elf or something like that here, like you're not happy to be alive in this time period. And this time period has been going on forever. But it's interesting because it's now at a point where with some of the narrative and stuff uh, that you start to see a new world kind of developing as Sigmar's come back and kind of taken over some of the different realms. Uh, you know, certain towns are starting to be established. And there's nine realms here. So and they're all like different. There's like the fire realm and all this stuff. And each realm is like its own galaxy or universe or something. They're not clear on that because I think that's on purpose because it gives you uh, room in the, the sort of silence, the narrative silence to go and plug and play and build up your own stuff and create your own campaigns. And you have these sort of far off nooks and crannies of things that are long forgotten areas that you can just kind of give you a space to create your own world and do this stuff. And if you've, anybody's been watching the channel for any period of time, they know that I'm a big fan of Frostgrave. And I mentioned in the Frostgrave video, when I play Frostgrave, I set that in this universe, in this Age of Sigmar universe, because I use a lot of these models here as part of the warband, uh, you know, in uh, in Frostgrave. And so it's kind of like this, it's this far off, you know, ancient city that's in the realm of ice or whatever the heck. And, you know, there you go. So it gives you that space to to build that narrative uh, with your friends and and play that out. And, and it gives you all of these tools and it gives you now some ways to sort of balance all of this stuff. Uh, with the points and a lot of these new battle tomes are very interesting with just the different special abilities that you get and it has that very sort of like magic the gathering kind of vibe where it's like okay i've got my core, core deck i'm building a red deck or a blue deck or whatever and now i'm plugging and playing these different units and these different combinations and and it, you know 
this certain combination of units makes this bigger battalion. And then they have like these battalions that are like of all these sub battalions. But I'm like, okay, that's like 5,000 points of stuff or whatever. Cause you'll have like this Goreblade Warband, which I showed you. And there'll be another battalion that says, okay, take three Goreblade Warbands and this other battalion and this other three battalions. And you're like, that would like fill up the whole table. <laughs> but they have that there. So you can, you know, I just like that idea of that plug and play part of it. Um, and it has, it still has, and this is one thing that I've always liked about uh, the 40K and the Warhammer lore, is it's very tongue in cheek. It doesn't seem to take itself too seriously in terms of the lore. Um, and so I mentioned kind of the adolescence there, but it also has that, that, that kind of just subtle humor. So maybe there's some nuance, but uh, it, in a certain, there's, there's certain uh, zealousness with each of the factions, like the flesh eaters are sort of hallucinating and think they're the saviors of the world. Uh, the corn are basically mad and they're cannibals and they're jerks. Zinch is just, you know, they are like the Thanos of Warhammer, just very manipulative and chaotic and they're backstabbing the other chaos factions all the time. You've got your sort of do-gooder, angelic uh, stormcasts. And then some of the, you know, like the dwarf uh, lore is, is very weird and interesting, the Fire Slayers. Um, and then there's, maybe there's a new dwarf faction coming out. And then Destruction, of course, that's your typical, like, oh, we just like blowing stuff up and we love the fight, you know. And they actually, in the lore, were teamed with the the Order and the Stormcast Eternals because they're like, yeah, let's, this is going to be a good fight. And then they're like, oh, let's fight you now, you know, as they backstabbed them. And, and even like Nagash, who led the undead, he get he, 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 uh, partners with Sigmar because chaos is just like ruling everything. And then after a while, he's like, you know what you, when your stormcasts die and get reforged, that's a soul that I'm expecting. Cause he kind of lives off the souls of the dead. And then he backstabs a Sigmar because basically, you know, he's taking his, his, his power source. I don't know why that's funny to me, but <laughs> this is super funny because Sigmar is like, Oh no, no, I need to take, no, no. I need these people to come in and, and do good. And the death is like, no, no, that's what I live on. You know, you're taking the dead from me. And, you know, it just has this weird, bizarre, sort of funny stuff that is just, you know, it's not really like any other sort of theme. All right. So anyway, that, I just wanted to review it because I know I don't normally review this kind of thing on this channel, but I have really got a sort of a bug in me, especially with Frostgrave and this now. Uh, and it's really fun. And, you know, the whole construction part of it, building terrain and painting the models and all that stuff um, is really neat. And I got the last thing I guess I'll leave off with here is the community. The community of this game is fantastic. Um, I do wanted to bring up, oh, I had it here. Now I've shuffled all my papers up here. Let's see if I can find it. It's right here, isn't it? Please be the paper. Yes, it is. Here we go. So I just wanted, I'll put links to these in the description, but I wanted to kind of describe the community uh, and the different resources for this. Um, and I just wanted to also say, uh, Games Workshop to me has turned a corner over the last year or two years. Um, wasn't super familiar with their work before, but you know, you see a lot of the bad blood they get online and stuff like that with terms of, you know, shutting down fan files on BoardGameGeek and dumb stuff like that. And so hopefully they are sort of course correcting and it seems like they have because they've been super engaging uh, with the community in general in all of these places. So let me just go through these though. These are independent communities. Uh, Gorilla Miniature Games is a YouTube channel. I've talked about him several times. He does a lot of battle reports. Um, and he does a ton of Age of Sigmar battle reports. If you really want to see the game in action, um, I might do a battle report. I'm still kind of like nervous of that, but 
uh, I would go watch his. They're really good. He kind of walks through. Uh, you can see the early days when he was doing the battle reports of kind of without the general's handbook, like how wacky, but also kind of fun those games were in a way. Um, it's very interesting to see that. Uh, I, you know, I think I've kind of done a double take in terms of like how necessary points really are when you can have a nice, um, you know, battle with your opponent. Like we'd started playing with the silver tower stuff and it was fine. It was fun. It wasn't like, we're like, we didn't care about balance. We just played it and, and the stuff, the story happened. So, uh, but it's interesting now that, you know, all those battle reports use points and stuff. Uh, Doom and Darkness is a little bit different of a battle report. It's a little bit more analytical where Guerrilla Miniatures is more of like a let's play. You kind of play through it. Uh, Doom and Darkness is sort of an after the fact kind of analysis stuff. It's also very good. Uh, two different, very different tones, but I like them both. Uh, also, uh, Warhammer Weekly, uh, which is Vince Venturella's uh, channel. And he's an excellent painter, by the way. And he does um, uh, Warhammer, Warhammer Weekly on Wednesdays, and then he'll do like a thing on Fridays where he has a kind of a think piece, a little eight minute video. The Warhammer Weekly is kind of like a podcast, him and some other folks in the Warhammer community, they come on, they'll talk about like the latest news and all that kind of good stuff. Um, and Helen Hammer is a straight podcast. This one I would really recommend. These guys are great. This is one of the better podcasts in general that I've listened to. Uh, very sort of new player friendly, um, but they, you know, it's, it, if you listen to a lot of board game podcasts, they kind of talk about what they've been playing, what they've been painting, and the new news, and they'll kind of do a deep dive on the subject. Um, most of the lore that I was spitting, I know because of that podcast and when reading the main book, but they get really into detail and kind of summarize a lot of the lore and stuff. And they're very involved in the community in the UK and make me want to move there, uh, or at least like maybe commute or something so I can play Warhammer with a bunch of people that want to play there. Um, so he, that's a great podcast, Heal and Hammer. Uh, then there is a written battle report spot called Tabletop Gamer's Diary. Um, very nice, good pictures, and he's kind of working through this whole narrative of it, which is fantastic. That's really good. Uh, the Age of Sigmar fan group on Facebook is fantastic. Very welcoming, opening community. Uh, open to questions. People are always sharing stuff that they've painted, new, uh, you know, sort of conversions and stuff that they've done. Very, very cool. There's Age of Sigmar Reddit, which is pretty helpful. It's still Reddit. So, but I would say you can still get useful information off there and most people are very helpful. Uh, then there's also the Grand Alliance community, uh, which is fantastic. Now there's a lot of things there um, that have been developed. There's a lot of sort of like mods and things that have been put together. I'm thinking of especially this one called Hinterlands, which makes a kind of a Mordheim uh, stuff. I haven't played with it, uh, but they work together with a couple different groups and it looks really, really cool, really solid. Doesn't lose any of the simplicity of Age of Sigmar. But again, it's, it adds that kind of plug and play aspect of it. Uh, and that community is really good too. And then there's the DACA DACA forums, which I'll list at the bottom, uh, which is about the same as Reddit. So anyway, that's usually pretty good until somebody from another game comes into a thread and talks bad about it. And then things kind of blow up. Anyway, you know how the internet is. Uh, so that's kind of the general sort of broad overview, not necessarily deep overview. And this game is certainly deep um, because the more that I've played this and the more I kind of try different factions and things, the more I'm seeing like, oh wow, there's a lot of sort of meat here to chew on. Um, you know, like I talked about the whole like um, random initiative every round, like it just, like it's frustrating at times, but it's also very, it makes it very exciting at times and it makes it lead to sort of, sort of cool climactic endings where you're like, oh, if I don't know if it, what happens here, if you get this, you're probably gonna win. But you know, it just, 
it you set yourself up for that situation you don't want to be reliant on getting that turn order which is interesting because if it was going back and forth turn order then it might be a little actually a little bit more stagnant but it's such a simple weird thing um, and it's just as i've played this more and more i started to see a lot of that extra nuance and stuff in terms of the tactics you know just all like i said all that plug and play stuff and configuring your army and playing with different battle plans and all that stuff i mean my favorite battle plan to play just to kind of to leave you sort of anecdotally is uh it's called gift from the heavens and you don't really know where the objectives are going to be you kind of divide the table up and then you roll a die at the end of the first round and then the two objectives come down and then you're kind of scrambling to get to the objectives <laughs> and so they might come down like on one flank or the other flank or spread across and so everybody kind of spreads out and then you kind of go for it but you're like you know okay how do i spread out do i put my big behemoth over here and kind of let him do his thing or you know do i send a little unit with him all that kind of stuff and then the mad sort of scramble and the victory points of that one actually become worth more and more as the rounds go by uh, typically you play five rounds but sometimes you can go longer than that um so yeah uh definitely take a look at this game i know it's not for everybody on this channel but you know several folks have been asking when are you going to review it when are you going to review it so uh decided to buckle down and and do a review of it and you know if you you know this if you already play the game you're probably watching this just to you know get more feedback and or whatever you just want to see more about it but if you haven't played the game i would give it a give it a look um you know, get the get the starter box, get that Spire of Dawn box. That is going to be your best entry point. Uh, stuff is pointed. There's two armies. There's two good size armies. Um, if you're not into the whole superhero supervillain stuff, it's kind of elves versus Skaven, the Ratmen. Uh, so it's more traditional fantasy, um, and it's got battalions and things like that all in there and battle plans. Um, and it's definitely the best bang for your buck. And I think if you spent like the 80 bucks for that and that was all you ever did with the game you would still get a good set of games out of it now i've not played with it but just based on everything else that i've done here um i think that's your best bet or you could get just the, the basic starter too because that gives you a lot of good battalions and all that kind of stuff okay thank you